0: Bowbulb.org is a podcasting platform and a medium for storytelling. This podcast is also available on all the major podcasting apps, including Apple and Google Podcasts. Podcast your life with Baobalb.org.
1: I welcome you brothers and sisters in the faith to our podcast this morning. Sadly, our church has had to remain closed this month because of the COVID pandemic. Nevertheless, we are together in the Spirit at this time of cybernetic worship. Firstly, on this Father's Day, we give grateful thanks to all Fathers and for what they mean to us, a prayer. We give thanks our Creator God for the Fathers in our lives. Please bless them. This Father's Day, we remember the many sacrifices Fathers make for their children and families. And the ways, both big and small, they lift children to achieve dreams beyond their reach. For those who are fathers, we ask for wisdom and humility in the face of the task of parenting. Give them the strength to do well by their children and by you. In your holy name we pray. Amen. And for our call to worship, we read these words from the book of Revelation. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. Our hymn for today is Onward Christian Soldiers. Onward, Christian Opening prayer. Let us now bow our heads before God as we make our opening prayer. I will end this opening invocation with our Lord's Prayer and I invite you to join me in the beautiful words of Jesus when he taught us how to pray. Let us pray. Father God, giver of life, we exalt and praise you for your merciful and tender care. May our worship this day express the true joy that arises from the living Lord Jesus, who dwells within us. We pray that as we face the challenges in our lives, and especially in this COVID pandemic, we will be brought closer to Jesus and to one another. Loving God, you create in us a new beginning each day. And as we have come to worship by this podcast, we thank you for this day Our overriding desire is that our adoration will make us and help us to rekindle your purpose for our lives and to clearly see our roles in fulfilling this purpose. We praise you for your new creation of our days, lives, for your recreation of hope within us, even on those occasions when hope seems foolish. Father God, you inspired your servant James to warn us in his epistle that we need confession and prayer to be healed from sin, and that the prayer of those in the state of grace has much power. We recognize this truth and yearn to have our souls washed whiter than snow, break down in our hearts all obstacles so that our confession may be sincere and full. Thus, Lord, we confess our responsibility for those thoughts and actions we have done against your will and command. We are so used to hiding our faults and weaknesses from others that we sometimes find it difficult to even remember all our sins. But Lord, we confess all our wrongdoings over the past week, which made ourselves unworthy to be called your children. And by your grace and mercy, we ask that you forgive us, so that like the prodigal son, May we return from a foreign land and being truly humbled, truthful and contrite. We entreat you to restore us to that path which leads to everlasting life. Take our hands this day and lead us out of the shadows of our fears. Help us to change our hearts. Bring us to your truth and help us to respond to your generous love. May we see your loving purpose in our lives. May we feel your loving touch healing us and caring for us as a child is cared for by a parent, may we know that you are with us and for us in the midst of our daily living. Grant this through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, for ever and ever. All these are prayers we offer in our Saviour's name, who taught us to pray together thus. And for our Bible reading today, we turn to Paul's letter to the Romans, chapter 5, and we read from verses 6 to 11. Christ died for us at a time when we were helpless and sinful. No one is really willing to die for an honest person, though someone might be willing to die for a truly good person. But God showed how much He loved us by having Christ die for us, even though we were sinful. But there is more. Now that God has accepted us because Christ sacrificed his life's blood, we will also be kept safe from God's anger. Even when we were God's enemies, he made peace with us because his Son died for us. Yet something even greater than friendship is ours. Now that we are at peace with God, We will be saved by His Son's life. In addition to everything else, we are happy because God sent our Lord Jesus Christ to make peace with us. Thus far, may God bless to us these readings from His holy word. Amen. Let us pray. May the Lord now be in all our hearts and upon my lips, that every thought and word may be holy for the honor and glory of his name. Amen. My topic for today is a word about sin. All the church ever does is talk about sin. I don't go to church to feel bad. Why doesn't the church talk about something good for a change? Have you ever heard those words expressed? Have you ever thought them? Sure you have. And I have as well. But the clear fact is that we, as human beings, are a people, no matter how hard we try, just cannot seem to avoid sin and so often fall into sin. It almost seems that humanity is conceived in sin. And when we sin, we find no shortage of excuses. A favorite response is to play the blame game. The devil made me do it. On some occasions we offer the thought that it must be God's fault. This line of thinking suggests it was God who really set up Adam and Eve in the garden and that their downfall was predestined. If so, are they and we truly responsible for our sin? Theologians call this type of thinking the guiltless guilt. But the reality is that we are responsible for our sins, no one else. God created us as moral creatures, able to make decisions of our own free will. God did not create us as robots. He gave humankind, you and me, free will. We are given the freedom to make decisions. Unfortunately, the sad fact is that on too many times, we make the wrong decision. And there is no excuse. Certainly the sins committed by us humans are not God's fault. The reality of sin is that God is never to blame for humankind's propensity to sin. In fact, because of the sad litany of sinfulness, God gave us Easter. Sin is the whole reason for Easter. Easter is why God had to send his son to earth to be crucified and thus pay the penalty for our sins. There are some who blame sin on human nature or genetics. In this line of thinking, the nature of humankind is designed to pass on sinful nature from one generation to another, so that it is not our fault if we have a sinful streak in our DNA. Though I believe in the power of genetics, I cannot agree that lack of moral responsibility can be placed there some blame sin on nurture that is the family environment and the upbringing of children psychologists for example in researching crime point out the predominance of criminals come from homes of broken marriages and absent fathers thus in this thinking delinquents come from homes mainly of the economically lower strata but it is a truism that most children raised in poverty do not become criminals. Often it is the opposite. The real answer, and the reason for this meditation, is that we need to deal with the reality of sin in our lives, not try to find excuses. God would not allow Adam and Eve to get away with their shifting of personal responsibility. And God showed the same response, whether it was David grumbling about his sin with Bathsheba, Judas hanging himself, Or Simon Peter going fishing rather than staying with the apostles after the crucifixion? Scripture is clear. We cannot shift responsibility of what we do and say to someone or about something else. What do we see when we look at the dark side of life? Quite simply, we see that even in the best of us, and that's a contest no one wants to enter, there is more than enough evil and sin to go around. We see pettiness, fault-finding, jealousy, anger and resentment. We see a using of others for personal gratification. We see that we love things and use people rather than love people and use things. So as Christians journeying through life, we have to accept the undeniable fact that Jesus was crucified for the sins of humankind your sins and my sins. And clearly, we must accept and deal with the reality of sin. Thus appropriately, we do well this morning to reflect and accept that there are times in our lives when, as Christians, we should take an opportunity for personal soul-searching and repentance. We must step aside from the busyness of life, call it a retreat, to have a time for contemplation of our lives and for taking stock. And there is no better place to begin than with the Bible. And in this instance, with our reading from the Apostle Paul's letter to the church in Rome, when he says, God commands his love towards us, that while we were sinners, Christ died for us. What Paul was doing is to contrast human love with God's love. He draws a distinction between the amazing love of God and the unworthiness of the sinner. Paul gives us three examples of sin. Firstly, there is weakness. Paul, in writing to the Roman Christians, uses weakness or powerlessness as images for sin. Some people reveal the weakness of their own character when they cry out, I am not responsible for the sins of society. We point to somebody else to blame. We blame hereditary, environment, politics, society, illness, circumstances or emotions. Those attitudes, says Paul, are weaknesses. We all have a responsibility to do whatever we can to bring about a just society. That is called democracy. The second example of sin is being ungodly. Paul notes that we are also ungodly as sinners. Sin is what separates us from ourselves, from God, and our fellow human beings. Sin is the fragmentation that destroys relationships. Sin, in its widest sense, is not just our individual sins, but it is our sense of sinfulness our, and a small g, God-almightiness. That is our way of saying, I want to take control of my life without a sense of needing God. I am totally in control. I am the master of my fate, the captain of my soul. I do not need others or God to make my way through life. That sort of wrong thinking, the scriptures declare, leads to death and eternal damnation. Sin, in all its seriousness, creates death within our authentic self, death in our relationships with other people, and most profoundly, an eternal death that separates us from, over from, from God. The scriptures are very clear about the darkness of sin. The wages of sin is death. Sin threatens our sense of life's meaning, and consequently, our self-centeredness results in death. Death is the consequence of a meaningless life that has lost its sense of direction and purpose. And thirdly, enemies. Paul states, while we were God's enemies, we had rebelled against God. We chose to turn our back on God and go our own way. God does not will that, but God permits it. He gives us freedom to do His will or to violate it. For example, He gives me the freedom to abuse my body or make it stronger. He gives me freedom to try to learn to do good or to do evil. He gives me the freedom to try to live a moral life or to live an immoral life. God does not force me to conform. When I violate the moral and spiritual laws that are built into the universe, into my life and into relationships, I often get hurt. Or I may hurt other people. Though we may receive forgiveness and hopefully we will, that does not remove all the consequences that may have resulted from some sinful act. God forgives us, but sometimes the consequences of our sinfulness may go on for a long time. But let us now rather turn the Bible page and compare Paul's description of the amazing love of God in contrast to our own sinfulness. Paul writes that God commends, recommends, demonstrates. Paul felt that God, by sacrificing his son, proves his love for us. Paul uses it in a way that addresses our hearts. And again, we consider three aspects. Firstly, holy love. We must acknowledge that a great gulf separates us from God because of his holiness. God is holy and holy other. When Moses saw the burning bush and experienced God's presence, he was commanded to take off his shoes because he was in the presence of the holy God. Isaiah saw the holiness of God in the temple in a great vision. To understand our relationship, we need recognize that God is righteous and that we are sinners. Secondly, undeserved love. Paul says, A person might be willing to die for a just person, but not for an unworthy person or undeserving individuals. But God's love was extended to us, even while we were sinners. A person might have hated God, but God still loves that person. Even while we are rebelling against God, God loves us. We may be deserving and we may not be deserving of God's love. Nevertheless, God loves us anyway. And thirdly, sacrificial love. Paul states that Christ died for us. This is a sacrificial death on a cross. Christ died for us while we were sinners. God did not say we had to be good before he would love us. God loves bad children and bad adults. It's not that he likes us sinning, but he loves us so much that even where we sin, God in Jesus laid down his life for us. And to say we don't like to come to church when it talks of sin is so wrong. Sin needs to be debated because it is a serious business. Not to confront our sin makes a mockery of the cross. I urge you to think much upon that cross. It stands in the center of a universe as the great symbol of God taking sin seriously. That cross stands as God's love, which reaches an eternity into time to touch your life and mine and offers us forgiveness for our sins and our new beginning. Forgiveness is serious business and so is sinfulness, but God's love is greater than any sin, the sacrificial death of Christ. And our forgiveness resulting from that act of selfless sacrificial love. We are now in Christ, or in lo- the love of God. We are reconciled to God by the death of Christ. God's forgiveness allows us to become the authentic persons He has created us to be. His redemption restores us with the quality of life that we were created to have. He reveals to us what we can through the power of His redeeming love. Sin had created a sense of brokenness between us, between God and ourselves and others. But God in His forgiveness now offers us an opportunity to build a new bridge, to restore our broken relationship with Him, to help in the restoration of our relationship with others and to help pull our broken self together. God brings us back together again, and that brings us to the fundamental question, how do we deal with the sin of our lives? Well, confession is the beginning point. Confession means to look at our lives and through the power of the Spirit speak the truth about our lives. We cannot get defensive when we confess, for our defensiveness only proves our insecurity. We must understand the love of God before we confess. Without the incredible love of God permeating our lives, we will never have the strength to look inside and see the nature of the zoo that resides within. Repentance follows confession. Repentance involves definitive acts that are taken to correct the sin and restore any broken relationships that may have resulted from it. Repentance is far more than remorse or resolve. It is turning around 180 degrees and going in the opposite direction. What does it take for us to do all this? We must accept the power of God as necessary and break the hold of sin on our lives. Paul put it this way, For if by the trespass of the one man death reigned through the that one many, how much more will those who receive God's abundant provision of grace and of the gift of righteousness reign in the life through the one man, Jesus Christ? When we come face to face with the greatness of what Christ Jesus has done for us, then we will accept amazing grace and place ourselves on the path of transformation. God took all that blame upon himself And through His Spirit, we can know the transforming power that works from the inside out. So this day, brothers and sisters, I urge you to silently make a confession of your sins, those unacknowledged ones, those that you often dare not bring into focus. Seek today to find forgiveness and experience the grace and mercy of God. This salvation is free, but you must be willing to accept it, and walk in the environment and companionship with Christ. And that is what Christianity is all about. Amen. Let us pray. Indeed, Father, in this podcast of worship, we open our hearts to You and pray that You will bring us to share Your concern for the good of all that we encounter on life's journey. Give us Your heart of love to do a favor, speak a kindness, Offer a hand, soothe the hurt, celebrate a joy, share a sorrow, or in some small way give ourselves in love to another in your name. Above all, may our lives be so that we can work together to build up the earthly city with our eyes fixed on the city that lasts forever. Healer of body and soul, we pray for those who are sick, those who are in our prayer concerns, those who are near and dear to us. Healer of body and spirit, cure those who are today suffering from a sickness of spirit so that they may also grow in holiness through your constant care. And especially, Father, we pray for our Minister Reverend Heidi Peterson and her family who have been confronted on combating the effects of covid Please lay your healing hand upon Heidi. We especially pray for Denzel, her husband, and her daughter, Caroline, who have had been hospitalized. We think of Aiden, her son, who thankfully remains asymptomatic. We ask that they will soon be back to full health and resume their normal living. All this we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. And for our benediction. Now unto him that is able to keep you from falling, and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory, with exceeding joy, to the only wise God our Saviour, be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and forever. Amen.
0: Thank you for listening to this Spudcaster podcast. Don't forget to like, share and subscribe.